Let's spell a song so you can sing along with my special guest star two. You like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me today, I mean, words cannot describe her. She is my best friend. She is the best friend of the pod. It is Lauren Gismondi, everyone. Welcome back! Yay! Oh, like an old coat in the back of the closet, I am still here! And we're here today to talk about the Harvey Girls, which, I mean, last time you were on was a Judy movie, and yeah. this time is another Judy movie. It's another MGM movie musical. Uh, and So this movie came out in 1946 with the screenplay... Okay, hold on. Let me see how many names I can fuck up here. Uh, the screenplay was by Edmund Beloyne, Nathaniel Curtis, Harry Crane, James O'Hanlon, and... Samson Raphaelson? Sure. Great. Music by Harry Warren. Lyrics by Johnny Mercer. Directed by George Sidney. And it's based off the novel The Harvey Girls by Samuel Hopkins Adams. I wanted to include that because, like, I don't want people to be mad at me. Well, we love source material, you know? Gotta know where things come from. Which I think I want to read it now. Uh, and according to IMDb, on a trip west to become a mail-order bride, Susan Bradley, Judy Garland, meets a cheery crew of young women traveling out to open a Harvey House restaurant at a remote whistle stop. Now, prior to this movie, have you ever heard about a Harvey House? Um, no. Because <laughs> It wasn't a real thing. It's what? It was a real thing. Yeah, I... It seems interesting. Like, I kind of want to go to one, but I don't know <laughs> if they exist anymore. I'm not sure offhand. Uh, so this is Judy Garland, Sid Charisse, and Virginia O'Brien. Mm-hmm. This is Sid Charisse's like first role where apparently she's had she has dialogue. Yes. And and also, I was reading uh, before we started recording that Virginia O'Brien was pregnant while filming this. And so a lot of her scenes had to be cut or altered. So, like, that's why she disappears after the Wild Wild West. Mm-hmm. But, like, what's his, what's that character name? The, the guy that Judy travels for, H.H. Hartsey? Yes. What happened to him? Like, after... After he is like, don't marry me. And she's like, cool, cool story, bro. Bye. Like, we don't really see him again, right? No, you see him again. Because he falls in love with the cook. (gasps) Yes. The sea storyline. Yes. (laughs) But like, so, you know, when um, the scene where Judy sticks up the saloon and... Trying to get the meat back. <laughs> the tall guy, though, he doesn't have a name, right? The, the one that like, kind of falls her around during all yeah. of that? 
No, I don't think so. No, I don't remember their name anyway. <laughs> but that was just like an amazing moment. Because like, <laughs> like last time you were on, we talked about how Judy plays like strong characters. And like this one, this is like the prime example of her being the quote damsel in distress end quote, but like also <laughs> doing stuff about it. Yeah. She's not really in distress. I mean, she's in distress, but she's handling it. She's... <laughs> you know, well, this that... is about therapy and all that, the modern the therapy and medication which we have today. Um, she was right. handling it with, with what she had. And she gets, to, <laughs> she gets to work again with Ray Bolger. Yes, that made me so happy. Ray Bolger. Why isn't he part of the lexicon of like the Fred Astaire's and Gene Kelly's as like le- uh, as like fantastic dancer? I don't know. I really don't know how these things happened. What I do well, actually, I do actually have some understanding. It's just not fun to get into this history part of Hollywood, um, the way in which actors were contracted and how certain studios had exclusive contracts for certain performers right that was the whole studio system back in the day exactly um and the reason i actually know about this this is actually from a wizard of oz fact is that buddy hackett was supposed to play the tin man in uh the wizard of oz but he had such a severe allergic reaction to the makeup that he was hospitalized for, I think, like a month or two. And in the process of that, they ended up getting the actor who we saw in the movie um, on loan from like 20th Century Fox or something. So actors would get loaned out, you know, for movies. This is in the time before actors, there was really a union, there wasn't really any agency. You're kind of at the mercy of these major studio heads. So a part of me wonders what Ray Bulger's contract was. Would he have been able to make all those movies? I don't know if Gene Kelly movies or... um, Right um, there, whether they were MGM or were they Paramount, were they Columbia TriStar? You know, I mean, that does at that point in time that was still di- like dictating who could work where and when and for how much. True, because like watching him, but like watching him dance though, I know that's where my question lies. Because like I didn't well, realize, I realized he's a fantastic dancer. Yes, well, we saw it in The Wizard of Oz, too. The well, we... Throw, like, that, all the, that crazy character work and the... Like, I'm talking strictly the physicality of being a scarecrow. Right, but then, like, in this one, we see him tap. Yeah. And so, like, that, to me, was just like, okay, so we've, we've got multiple uh, dance styles that you mm-hmm. know. Because, like, I know that Fred and Jean were known for everything ballet partnering tap yeah yeah musical theater lots of ballroom and so like in this one movie ray bulger shows multiple styles of dancing Mm -hmm. and is amazing and i was just like why why in modern times is he not in the pantheon of like the great golden age dancers unless he is and i just am not aware 
Uh, I definitely don't think he gets the same recognition as Gene Kelly or Fred Astaire. Let's start there. Like, it's no, there's nowhere near quite the same. I also don't think, I, I'm not sure if his movie career went for as long as either of theirs offhand. Oh, I'm not true. Like, I would have to look at his filmography to make a judgment call on that, which I'm telling maybe you're doing right now. <laughs> I'm going to be looking him up. Uh, oh, I just read on the trivia for this page, uh, for this movie, that he was burned by the steam during On the Atchison, Topeka, and the Santa Fe number. Uh. Which, okay. Uh, hold on. So he has 38 credits to his name as an actor, mm-hmm. ranging from 1926 to 1984. Oh. So that doesn't seem like a lot in my opinion. Well, that's about 60 years, right? A little less than. Oh, he was on a TV series for two years called Where's Raymond? That uh-huh. uh, That's like 61 episodes right there. So that's a, a lot of time. Yeah. Um, but, sorry, I just saw The Wizard of Oz that not only is he the scarecrow, but his other character name is Hunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, the the three guys who are helping out at the farm. I forgot that that was his name. Um, can we jump to the on the Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe for a hot second? Please, let's. It's so campy as fuck and uh, and stupid, but I loved every second of it. Again, it, it's there. It's there to make us happy. And it's almost ten minutes long. <laughs> You know, it's a precursor for um, Music Man, the Wells Fargo wagon. That makes sense. Yeah. But what amazed me, though, is that they had a train, a moving mm-hmm. train. Yeah. What? Yeah. This is after the Second World War. We have money now. <laughs> we have money to play with. <laughs> the movies were a booming industry. So, like, yeah. The fact that we that they filmed a train that Mm -hmm. moves. Yeah. Like, I wonder how many takes that took. I mean, you're looking at several days of work. Oh yeah. For that, for that caliber of production number, you, 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 you need, you need a few days set aside just to get everything put in place. I don't foresee it being a one take wonder. No, (laughs) no. And like the other thing that amazed me in this movie is the fight in the in the Harvey um, restaurant that's burning down. Mm. Like yeah. those are those they're not stunt doubles. That's no, the actors. And one of them clearly rolls over fire at some point. Right, right. And I was just like, "You did it, burn." That's amazing. This if is, you go quickly enough, you won't, you won't light on fire. But like, this is... I don't know if a lot of people know about this movie, and they should. I agree. It was one that I was... Similar, similar to our previous episode, I was introduced to it as a younger human um, because my grandmother was a, is a big fan of Angela Lansbury. And for yes. the majority of my life, until a certain point, I really only associated Angela Lansbury with Disney. Because of bed knobs and broomsticks, because of Beauty and the Beast, 
And then uh, I saw this movie as if I was 16. It was right around my 16th birthday. My grandparents were in town. And this was one of the movies my grandma, like we just, it was on. And I was like, well, first of all, who is that? I didn't recognize her. Dumb. Let me begin there by calling myself stupid. And when I read, my grandma's like, no, that's Angela Lansbury. She was hot. And I was like, yeah, Angela Lansbury was is stunning and I'd never heard her sing really in an American accent before so that was the first time I had heard her really sing in this American accent and she's like got such a low super sultry voice and I feel like again because I grew up associating her with Disney characters and marmish Disney characters at that um it was kind of like a baby sexual awakening for me to be like Damn, like this, I think was one of her first big Hollywood movies. So, <laughs> yes, um, that's not Angela Lansbury singing. Ah, then that explains that, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, according to the Wikipedia page, her voice was considered unsuitable for her character a low-class saloon singer. So um, Virginia Reese provided her singing voice. Um, oh, I learned something new today. And, and Sid Charisse was dubbed by Marion Donguez. Okay. I'm pronouncing the name wrong. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, while I was watching it, I was just like, that's not her voice. Because, like, I, like you know her from uh beauty and the beast but really i know her from murder she wrote oh there's that too yeah where she's clearly the murderer every episode and do not change you cannot change my mind about any of that yeah yeah there's like conspiracy theory there for sure but i was just watching this movie and i was like it doesn't match well her singing voice and speaking voice I feel so stupid. I'm usually really good at this. Dang well, it. you also were introduced to it as a child, you said, or as a younger person. I, would pro- I was probably 16, 15, 16 years old. Yeah. Right. But like, I don't... Young-ish. <laughs> I don't think young Lauren's ear were, was as finely tuned as present-day Lauren's ear. Yeah, is. but present-day Lauren also thought, like, maybe it's just like, she just really went there. I, she did, the vocal coaching like was intense no no it's just a different singer that makes way more sense i'm and so sorry to no oh don't apologize i, I burst your bubble no, no 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 the bubble has not been burst i would say that you know the light bulb got turned on so uh-huh. who's the real villain of this story puritanical values you know i'm right yes <laughs> I mean, I would say the judge. The judge is the evil person in this situation. Because I was just like, men are going against women who mm-hmm. want to work, but like, not be whores. Yes. So there is an interesting piece of history about the Wild West that I would like to discuss. I'm going to be your unofficial musical theater historian from now on. You're welcome. And I'm sorry at the same time. (laughs) I'm more than welcome correspondence. Yay. Um, 
early on when the West was just beginning to be settled, um, it was wild and it was unruly, but it also for all the, the things that, you know, the Christians had to say about the brothels and the saloons and like, you know, the, those type of the dance halls um, that they were so against, that was actually part of the reason civilization could exist in those places because the owners of the brothels, especially the ones that were run and owned by women, were, you know, putting the money towards the school that they were paying. They were basically funding the education of the entire, the entire small towns that were popping up all over the West, like funding for the school, funding for the library, funding for like a town hall and you know, all this stuff. So it's interesting in this movie to see them kind of slightly vilified or see them having to be like forced to fight it out amongst what's the most important value in trying to create a community. The reality is, is you do need both. It's not one or the other. It's, it's definitely both. Um, but if you would like to learn more about this, I would tell you to, oh, excuse me, pop onto YouTube and find the drunk history selection about how the West was settled. <laughs> Drunk history, and I believe Adam ruins everything as well. Adam ruins everything. Does an episode about the Wild West and how it really wasn't that wild. <laughs> well, yeah, except for the OK Corral. Uh... Of course, how can I forget? Uh, but like, let's I... hear it. Of course, woo! I... workers. Wee! Well, okay, so fine. I feel like M is only M being. Um, Angela Lansbury's character right. no, I is know. is the is a villain, quote unquote, just because of the fact that she doesn't want Judy to steal her man, or what she wants to be her man. Exactly. I'm like, there's an interesting question that's brought up in, I mean, questioning um, Trent's Ned Trent's um, fidelity from the beginning, kind of. Because if he was really in a relationship with M, with Angela Lansbury's character, um, would he have felt the need to write, take up writing those letters? Yeah, there's a <laughs> lot of things in this movie that is just <laughs> thrown away immediately. Yeah, yes, yes. Which is why I really feel like the movie really is more about the, the women. I really, I mean, I feel like, yes, the men are there and it's, but like, if we took the men away, just removed all their characters from the story, it would still be interesting and intriguing all by itself without there being love and romance and lust and all that crap. It's True. like, it's, yeah, you, I'm like, you have two fundamentally different groups vying it out for, you know, the same, essentially the same job. Exactly. Cause like, when they when the Harvey House starts to introduce uh, entertainment, that's mm-hmm. when it's like, no, now you're coming for my job. Exactly, exactly. But what I did appreciate in this movie as well, I mean, I really appreciated this movie. I think I, I <laughs> to the it's, point where I, I think I actually really like it. It's a really good movie. It is a visually stunning movie. If you don't like old musicals for the plots or the uh, or the music, I'm like, watch it for the costumes. The costumes in this movie are exceptional. yes. Um, I was I was watching this movie and I was very surprised that the the Harvey girls 
when they are on the train or when they're not oh okay when they're on the train mostly um they're not in flashy colors or prints or anything like that it's Mm -hmm. the saloon women and there's maybe gay cowboys I think so. I think there's all kinds of things happening, you know? Now, that one cowboy that's in a turquoise cowboy shirt with a fuchsia neck scarf. I was like, girl, gay pride parade. Uh, (laughs) Brokeback mountain, baby. (laughs) Brokeback, bitch. But like, I mean, I was very, I was very shocked and surprised though that like, I mean, and I have seen this movie before. Surprise. <laughs> Shocking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when the when they're on the train, though, like Judy's in a gray, a grayish costume. Yeah, it's like yeah. a periwinkly color, grayish periwinkle. The women are all in blouses and skirts, but like even then the blouses are white and the skirts mm-hmm. aren't, are like in pastel colors. It's just like when we get to the town, the gay cowboys are in all the colors. And then also the saloon girls are in the flashy, glitzy mm-hmm. costumes. Yes, yes. Uh, but what I also really liked about this movie uh, is that the brawl that happens is between the two sets of women. Mm-hmm. So what little knowledge I have about Western movies is that usually the brawl is all men because... And we do get some of that. We do get some people getting thrown out of the bar and things like that. So you get a little bit, a little taste of the roughness. But it's true that that this is one of the few movies where the big fight scene is not the male identifying characters. Well, the... The, the new the one with the numerous amounts of people because exactly. like i feel like there's the there's two big fight scenes the the one that we're just talking about now with the women and then the one in the fire that i highlighted right. earlier yes yes um but like i was very surprised in a good way because like i'm pretty sure shit like that has happened oh i believe it I believe tensions come to a point where its logic goes out the window and it's, I must destroy. Although watching that brawl and Judy's always there with like her fist up and mm-hmm. like not hitting anybody. Yep. <laughs> goal, baby. And then she has a weapon and she's just smacking it on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, nobody said they had to be good at fighting. They just had to fight. But like, I was expecting her to land a punch on somebody, but she doesn't. No, but she does do the handle the guns later on. Or sorry, earlier on in the movie. Oh, that whole sequence is hilarious. <laughs> Had to get the stakes. <laughs> she shoots the the uh uh the light fixture at the end and she's like, Did I do that? I didn't yeah. mean to. I'm so sorry, everyone. I'm so sorry, you guys have been so nice. Oh, she's standing there with the guns. I'm like, yeah, there she is with the, plus, with the pistols and just like having the time. Oh, okay. So speaking of her with the pistols and everything, when she, before all of that happens, she walks over, she gets frightened and drops them. What scares her? I have no idea. 
I really, I had that moment watching it this earlier today, and I was like, what is, what? In your trip, you know, I don't see anything. There's no creepy shadows. There's no snake. I wonder. I wonder if like something was cut or. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So, according to an IMDb trivia that I just found, yeah, Judy and I'm reading it verbatim. So. Uh, Judy Garland joked, quote, this is a fine picture for me. I hate guns and I'm scared to death of horses. When I even come near a bunch of horses, they they nudge each other and say, this is going to be fun. So maybe it was just like she broke character for a hot second because she hates guns. I understand that feeling. I don't like them either at all. No. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I really do like this movie. It's like, I know we said like the uh, last time you were on, it was wholesome and everything. I like, this isn't saccharine sweet like uh, Girl Crazy was, but this is like still kind of wholesome in a way. Yeah, I think it's wholesome. And also, I mean, I love the music in this one in particular. I mean, I love I love Johnny Mercer. His lyrics are some of my favorite out there. And I think that's also what gives it like such a distinct like Americana feel, if that makes sense. Yes. Like the and like uh, the fact that, you know, as we said earlier, like the uh, plans for Judy Garland's character for Miss Susan Brady Bradley, whatever her last name is. Um, sorry. <laughs> go right out the window and then she just pivots she's like i already have a solution and i'm not getting back on that train and i'm going to tell this gentleman who did this to both of us i'm going to tell him exactly where to stick it and how far up to go so this is also another instance where i'm just like why does she fall for the man <laughs> because i mean i know they have to and that's musical comedy 101 when it comes to like a relationship based thing but like why i almost would rather her not be head over heels granted i also don't know how much time has elapsed in this movie it's true we have no real sense of time at least a couple of trains have come through so it's got to be maybe a couple of weeks giving being the time period how often a train might pull through true 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 would you go to a harvey house I mean, probably, but also it's much like heaven and hell. I'm like, heaven looks nice, Um, but hell is where most of my friends are. So I might start there and then be like, okay, this has been nice. Bye. I I mean, it just seems like a restaurant, right? Yeah, a restaurant. That's all it really is. It's it's exactly what it says. It's a dining room and then a lunch counter. Right. That's it. And then the women live in the building somewhere. I mean. The waitresses, the Harvey Giles. If they're known for their steaks, I may go for a steak. <laughs> Is yours going to be really rare? No, just rare. Just not very rare. Just a, <laughs> a, a, a little cooked. How's that? <laughs> sure, sure. I can, I can live with that. I can live with that. Yeah. And I think that the numbers in the show, in this show, in this movie are so sharp. And I actually got that. I think it would transition well to stage. It's one of the few movie musicals that I think with a stage adaptation would actually do quite well. I'm surprised there isn't one. I exactly. thought there was one. 
No, I don't think there is. Not to my knowledge. I mean, they would have to beef it up with some more songs, I think. Because, I mean, there's 11 songs, which uh, on the Atchison, Topeka, and... I was going to say, on the Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe is, like, 10 minutes. But, like, I think they would need a few more songs. I, I did read that there were three songs that were cut from the movie. One was called March of the Dojis. It just featured Judy. And it's on That's Entertainment 3 as an outtake. Oh, nice. Uh, uh, Hayride. Wait, where am I? Hayride is a song sung by Judy Garland and Ray Bulger that was pre-recorded but not filmed. And then there's another one called My Intuition, which is a duet between Judy and John Hodiak where I think that's, is that, yeah, that's Ned. Um, It was filmed and there's still a video format somewhere, but it was cut from the film. Hmm. So, I mean, it'd be cool to maybe add those back in if they're, if they're good. (laughs) Yeah, or, or, you know, I don't know. A lot of the songs in this movie are reprises too, let's not forget. Right. Like, Wait and See has two reprises. Yes, and I think the first song as well. In the, uh-huh. Something. In the valley where the sun, uh, in the valley where the evening sun goes down. There you go. I'm like, it's in the western sky, which is essentially. That, that bookends the movie. Yes, 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 yes. So, I mean, I, I would love to, I think it would be great. Mm-hmm. It also, like, last time you were on, you were talking about history, so this will open up about the American West, and I mean, talk about the Harvey Houses, which I, I, I'm i intrigued by the book, because I don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the novel, The Harvey Girls, uh, which the... <laughs> You want me to, can I just read what the Wikipedia page is? Yes, please. Edumacate us. The Harvey Girls is a novel published in 1942 by Samuel Hopkins Adams. In 1946, it was adapted by MGM into a musical film starring starring Judy Garland, eponymously titled The Harvey Girls. That's it. That's the whole (laughs) Wikipedia page for the Harvey Girls novel. Damn. Okay. There's nothing about, like a plot breakdown or synopsis oh gosh okay nope so it's a a little upsetting i guess we have to read it now lauren what is this we (laughs) okay i guess i i should read it because i think it'll be fun to understand more like i mean i'm intrigued to know if it's actually because i don't know if it's real or not like i haven't really done a deep dive let's see so harvey house is real uh the fred harvey company was own was the owner of the harvey house chain of restaurants hotels and other hospitality industry businesses alongside railroads in the western united states it was founded in 1876 by fred harvey to cater to the growing number of train passengers yep what I don't understand, though, from the movie's perspective, is like, do they not want people to 
go to the town, the Harvey House would be an attraction that would bring in revenue for the town. Yes, but I think that they were concerned about there being direct competition. Uh, I mean, yes, because yeah, well, it's directly across the street from each other. Exactly. But like, <laughs> if it was on two separate parts of the town, I feel like that would have been a little, like in the real, in a real world setting, if it was, what? you know, a, a, I almost said blocks and I was like, that's the wrong. If it was at like one edge of town and then the saloon was at the other edge of town, I feel like that's like far enough that you can have like the meal at one and then wander into the saloon and get your drink and game gambling on and women. All Maybe, the women. But like I said, puritanical society is the villain in this movie. You know, you have the reverend that comes back and is desperately trying to get the church. The church may be closed. I'm just trying to reopen it kind of nonsense, you know? I mean, it's not nonsense, but that's, but that is something to think about when it comes to, you know, this idea of what it is you're talking about. Because I think if we're up to them and it sort of is expressed as such, like they wouldn't want there to be a saloon anymore. No more gambling. Mm. No more dancing girls who, if you go up a flight of stairs, you can see them sometime, you know? Like they, they're trying to rid the, uh, the the elements of Sodom and Gomorrah of the of the West. So I can't see. It's hard for the two things to exist if one is if both of them really are trying to force out the other. I mean, it didn't feel like the Harvey House was that puritanical. At least I didn't read it that way in this viewing. Okay, I read it more as like a Denny's. Oh, see, I got the puritanical sense based upon, like, especially as soon as they said what their undergarments had to be. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. But I, I, I just thought that that was, like, the look, though. Like, I don't think that they, like, none of the women who, when they went into the saloon, shamed them, shamed the other women, it seemed like. Also, were women allowed in saloons that weren't working? Not... I don't believe so. And I also don't think they would have wanted to go in there. You know, it's a two-way street. But like, I mean, Judy being the rule breaker that her characters always are, <laughs> goes in there to talk to Ned. And I was just like, that's ballsy. Go go team. Mm-hmm. Go team Judy. And what's even better is the bartender sold him out. But also like, I don't understand what his game was with the letters what it was never clarified right it sort of was in their scenes and then when she goes to visit him when he's out in the desert on the top of the mountain there um and and he says what does he say oh the first time he talks about it you know she says it was just some kind of a joke to you well because that's what hh says yeah exactly it was a cruel joke and you know she reiterates that and then eventually, I think you could, you know, because he said that he wrote all the letters from this, that spot. So it, it could suggest that maybe he actually isn't a total dick. Maybe he is kind of a romantic. He's an onion. He's layered. Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. Because, you know, and, and he, you know, and it's not to say that he wasn't, he didn't love 
um, Angela Lansbury's character, but you know, I don't think he had those deep feelings. And it, eventually, M gets what she needs as well. You know, I, she, she gets the respect that she deserves. I like her ending. Yes, me too. <laughs> and like that's a that's another tropey thing that we see in movies where when it's like a competition quote unquote between two mm-hmm. women for them for the man mm-hmm. where one of them has to fold sort of yeah but like she also had that moment where she's like he doesn't see me yeah she recognizes her own self worth <sighs> this movie's great okay. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's great <laughs> I mean, it's it's an interesting look into the way humans interact with one another, especially under stressful circumstances, you know? And that's, I, I you could, it, yes, saying that she folded or she gave in is definitely one way to look at it. I personally prefer my own sentiment, which is she recognized that she was, that this person wasn't adding to her life. And so she decided, I don't need this anymore. It's a dead kid. Cute, but it don't work. She was ready to. She was ready to move on. Yeah, like I got what I needed out of this experience, and it's time. Because they're. We're we're gonna go to Flagstaff and start anew. Exactly, we're getting out, baby. I don't really have anything else that I wanted to talk about. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into Sharp and Flat? Oh, wait, there is one thing I do want to talk yeah. about. I think also the choreography in this movie is tight. Okay, speaking of that, though, yes. the choreography in It's a Great Big World, what the fuck <laughs> is that? Let me finish, because I accept that one. Which is some weird dream ballet gone awry. It's, it's movement, because you have... Sid Charisse. Legs oh. for days, can kick her face anytime mm-hmm. she wants. Um, Judy Garland, who is a, I wouldn't say she's a dancer, but she can dance. She's a hoofer. She's He's a hoofer. She's a hoofer. <laughs> and Virginia, Virginia O'Brien is a mover. She's not a dancer as well, but like, she can dance. Like, these women can dance. What the fuck is that choreography? (laughs) We're never gonna know. You know that? We're never going to know. But, like... You know, it's like choices were made. They weren't all good ones, but choices were made. I mean, I I applauded Ray Bulger's choreography. Um, Yeah, his partner work with Judy was so good. Mm-hmm. And even with um, oh my gosh, what's her face? I forget the name of the cook. Uh, the Bliss. character name is Sonora Cassidy. There you go. Yes, yes, yes. Miss Cassidy. Yes. The the it was com- so funny. The comedy that so they funny. had, and then like the the way that it was like segmented, like comedic moment, real dancing, comedic moment, real dancing, mm-hmm. comedic moment, like yeah. masterpiece. Yeah. But then we have to sit through It's a Great Big World and it's like... Well, thankfully, It's a Great Big World is musically kind of delightful. It almost makes up for the weird dream ballet gone bad vibe that it gives off. It got me um, 
there's got to be something better than this from Sweet Charity Vibes. <laughs> Except like the scared version of it. I don't know why, but maybe that's, I, I don't know how my brain wor- is working right now, but that's what I got from it. Where it's like, I guess they're just wanting to, dr- it's like their dreams, they're dreaming of a better life kind of a song. So mm-hmm. maybe that's why I connected the two. Sure, sure, sure. Well, they are in that song, but they really are also, you know, coming to the realization of how small they are, you know, compared to everything around them, how tiny you can feel. But it's a great big world out there. Yeah. I, so it's like when It's like all meets a touch of fear. <laughs> I also, I also uh, this is... I also just really loved Virginia O'Brien and the Wild Wild West because like <laughs> like when she holds the shoehorn that's supposed to be still hot from being on the fire I was just like this is amazing she's yeah. clearly she's such a badass that she's touching a hot hot piece of iron that was <laughs> literally on fire and then throws it in a bucket of water. Like, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Got those calluses, you know? Uh, anything else you want to talk about? Or you, can we go into Sharp and Flat? Let me think for just one moment. Because I just, I so love this movie. And I'm glad that we're getting to talk about it. Because I do feel like it doesn't get the attention it deserves. And again, I'm going to harp on this like I did last time. TCM Hub on HBO Max. You can find all of these old musicals on HBO Max. If you go to the, the, onto the side panel on the left, you go all the way down to their hubs. There's one for TCM. And that's how you can see all of these older movie musicals. Get your education on. I mean, if you, <laughs> if you like just search this movie, there's probably like, a su- uh, enough suggestions of other classic Hollywood movies. That's that what was funny, actually. So I will say something to to add to this. Um, I watched this and Girl Crazy back to back, and when I went to the Girl Crazies um, page, we'll call it before hitting play, immediately underneath the you may also like the first thing was the Harvey Girls, of course, and then also Unsinkable Molly Brown and Bells Are Ringing. Which I all those are two other ones that I also really really like. Bells are ringing for me. It was like a staple in my early twenties. Like the, one of my favorite movie musicals from that period of time. And I, I do remember seeing the um, being recommended uh, the unsinkable Molly Brown. Yes, 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 and it's just I don't know. It's just good. Good. The script is good. The music is. Good. The choreography, with the exception of the one weird song, is is really strong. The actors are great. I think it's such a great showcase piece for Ray Boulder and Angela Lansbury and Judy Garland. Like, there's not a weak link in the cast whatsoever. Not a one, in my opinion. I think everybody does real good work, and they all look really good riding those horses. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's get into Strap and Flat, shall we? Do it! Flat. So in this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it. If we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it or thought it can change, it's 
flat. Lauren, do you want to go first with your sharps for this movie? I think I said most of them already, but yes, let's bullet point these guys. Bullet point. Um, Visually stunning. Yes. Visually intriguing and stunning. Yes, 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 yes. Um, My sexual awakening with Angela Lansbury. And I myself don't, I'm not attracted to women. I, I am not, I really am like, if I were on the like Kinsey scale, I would be like a one and a half, two. Um, right, but you can appreciate. I can appreciate a stunning, beautiful human. And the first time when she like, comes out in that gold dress, I was like, and the, the sequence in her hair and the wig, yes. I was like, I am I'm dead. I am totally dead. I am destroyed and I am okay with it. <laughs> I sharp that look, by yes, the way. That I was, believe it. Um, that's one I, of my looks. My, my, my sharps. I, yeah, the reunion of Ray Bolger and Judy Garland is is such a treat, especially now that she's a little bit older and not like a little kid. That also, I think, is it's just, it's delightful. And I loved the chemistry she had in the animosity trying to find common ground with Angela Lansbury. I felt like their scenes, they were evenly matched. Yes. And that's not always the case in some movies. Sometimes we get like one person who overpowers the whole situation, whether it's because they are just naturally more talented or they are um, a bulldozing type of scene partner. Right, because yeah. by this point, Judy is like the seasoned she's, vet. Yeah, she's the established performer in, and, in, that, in that scenario. And I was reading that Angela Lansbury, this is her fourth film. Yeah, she, was, she just moved to the States. And like, wasn't initially cast for this movie. Mm-hmm. Somebody else dropped out and she stepped in. Hey, so, listen, you want to be, being on the short list is imperative. Uh, anything else? I think those are all the big ones. And I talked about everything earlier. Uh, I think that covered most of my feelings on this so, gem. So I'm going to sharp Ray Bulger as well. Yay! But just him, because like, he needs he needs some love. We need to give show him some love. I'm also going to sharp Virginia O'Brien because I will never not sharp that woman. Um, I love that she's so deadpan and that's her shtick. Like yeah. she was on, uh, welcome back to the pod by the way, Virginia O'Brien because she was on Dewberry was a lady, ah. and we talked a lot about her mm-hmm. and that deadpan is amazing. Um, I already mentioned M's gold. Luke, uh, I'm going to sharp that tall guy whose name we don't know that helps Judy get the meat back. (laughs) You gotta find the steaks. (laughs) Find the steaks. Uh, I'm going to also sharp Sonora Cassidy. Yeah, like that. I don't. Who is that actress? Who is? I need to find out. Such a gift. Mar- Marjorie Maine. Now, okay, why does that name sound familiar? Well, she was in Summerstock, everyone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She was the uh, the housekeeper who used the rifle to wake all the kids up. Um, and then I'm going to sharp that firefight. Yes. Like, the choreography in general is really good in this movie. The fact as well as like this is no pun intended but like the the golden age of hollywood is like the wild west when it comes to stunts and things like that where it's like 
there wasn't 7,000 people whose profession is a specific kind of stunt. Mm-hmm. Like the actors had to do everything. Yes. And, and so that's amazing that like these people were willing to say yes to do this. I'm not sure they had a whole lot of choice, but we're going to go with your assumption instead. They all probably looked at the fire around them and was like, you sure? <laughs> I meant as far as contra- um, contracts go. Oh, right. Of course. Coming from the legal land in that moment. I'm sorry. They had, no, ch- they had no choice. Exactly. I'm like, I don't think they really had a choice. <laughs> but I'm not sure they really had a choice. Uh, okay. Icky, what are you- icky situation. What are your flats? Uh, uh, I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. Using persons of color as props or tropes. Yeah. Why was the the one and only black person in the whole movie, why was his name John Henry? Like, I sat there and I was like... Yeah. And then the the Native Americans looking like they're in the 70s? Exactly. I'm like, what is this cockamamie YMCA bullshit. <laughs> I didn't understand. I will never understand. It's something that I find at this point, I'm like, okay, 2022 Lauren is like, this is unforgivable. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's unforgivable. Especially because I really just feel like they're just standing there. I'm like, you're not actively participating in the scene. You're literally just might as well be a, a prop or a set piece. And it infuriates me. He gets a song, though. Yes, he does. And I'm talking about the other actors who are in the background. Well, the, na- there. the Native American actors, though, were active in the Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe. Now, I'm not giving them any sort of leeway for what they yeah, like, did. Let's not, let's not give credit where there's none due. <laughs> no, but, like, at least, though, they were in the shots of... Uh, the sea of white people. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Fine. I. I but, it still makes me. It still made me slightly uncomfortable. Oh, be- of course. Yeah. I, again, do you should you should have done better, and you need to do better. Yeah, um, still, I'm still. I'm. It's it's an ongoing issue, and there's nobody who can tell me. I, I know for a fact that it's an ongoing issue still, and it's just <clears throat> things are finally beginning to change. But it's like the pace of molasses. I have seen glaciers move and melt faster um, <laughs> climate change. <True>. Um, <laughs> um i would also say if i if i have to pick if i must pick something else and i should because there is definitely more out there um mine is stupid i i will you you go first and then i'll i'll see if i can, can come up with anything else at the moment so it's so dumb um in so but in the brawl before the brawl happens with the between the Harvey girls and the saloon girls, there is this one saloon girl who has the biggest gem in her hair, and it is so attention pulling because the light is hitting it all the time. And I was just like, "Could you not?" Like, I get it that we're showing that they're, you know, um, brash, not brash. Is that a word? Brash is a word, but it's just not the right. I don't know if that's the right adjective. They're very gaudy. Gaudy. That's the word I'm looking for. They're very like over the top gaudy and all that. 
did we need it for this one scene though could we not have it in her hair I don't know. somebody made a mistake in, in the hair and makeup department i guess nope i think that was intentionally the design but like i mean or no, that's just it i mean but it was a mistake it was a, yeah <laughs> Or put hairspray over it so you dull the color. Like, come on. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's my flat, but I, like, really, besides the blatant racism that's in this movie, that is what you mentioned, there isn't really that much. Like, it's such a, it's still a good movie. Mm-hmm. No, like I said, I'm like, the script is, everything about it is pretty strong. Especially given the time period. It's pretty strong storytelling. Don't give me that we're being historically accurate bullshit either. Because, like, (laughs) it's a musical movie. Like, Like, yeah. Musicals are all about the suspension of disbelief. So. Right. So. sort of come into it with, um, you know, glasses that have been bobbed over a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) With hairspray? Sure, why not? Or else you can't, it's hard to enjoy enjoy it if you're seeing a little too clearly and thinking too much. <laughs> uh, did you think of any other flats? I think so. I really like this movie. It does certainly have some sentimental value to me. And I'm thankfully able to sort of detach from it a bit, which is good for especially this sort of a conversation. And I think that all things considered, it, it pretty much holds up. I agree. It's It's also interesting take on like a historical piece because like we learn about the harvey houses but it doesn't feel like it's educational exactly you're having too much fun while you're learning right so uh would you add any of these songs to your life's playlist i really like in the wild wild west i don't think i will because i feel like just listening to it doesn't help the songs i think you you feel that they're a little too action driven yeah all right that's fair and you know this is our second um johnny mercer musical movie that we've talked about yeah what was the other one that he did seven brides for seven brothers thank you oh god that's why it sounds so fucking familiar you're welcome that's what i'm here for (laughs) done as many episodes as you so i i'm able to remember the ones i was on (laughs) that's all it is uh well on that note lauren we're done with the episode (gasps) so is there anything you would like to plug or promote um if you're interested in studying with me um i teach voice lessons primarily um musical theater opera and occasionally pop and rock if that's your jams um and i am reasonably affordable and i teach online and in person so i don't care what time zone you are in it's all good (laughs) no seriously i've had time i've had students who have been um, on cruise ships in other parts of the world and who will pop in for a lesson because they're like i just need to tune up that doesn't involve me singing, you know, the same six songs I'm singing on this boat. And Lauren is also a night person, a night owl. So like, if yeah. you, if you are in the West coast and, Not a problem. and aren't see- free until after 9 PM, your local time, Lauren's up. Probably. I mean, I'll probably upset my roommates, but that's a different story. I also take siesta in the middle of the afternoons now where I just sleep from, you know, one to three. And then I go to work from four till around nine or 10 at night, Eastern time. (laughs) Sounds right. Uh, Where can they find you? 
Oh, yes, of course. You can find me on the Instagram and it's at L-A-G-I-Z-Z underscore S-A-N-G-S. That's Lodges underscore Sangs. Do you have a website for I your do. I do have a website. It's because you brought that up. It really is just my first name and my last name.com. LaurenGismondi.com. I've owned that domain name for, I think, five or six years now. Nobody else can have it. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> so like for these people who want to be potential students of yours, can they reach out to you through there or Instagram better? Either. It all goes to the same place. It all goes to my pocket computer. <laughs> it's the beautiful <laughs> thing about it. You know, Instagram is on my pocket computer. Um, the, the, if you were to go to my website and do an inquiry through the website, that also gets sent to my email, which is on my pocket computer. Oh yeah, you're insane. One tool I love that you, does, I mean, one tool that does it all is like the name of the game. And I would like to apologize to everybody because if you hear snoring in the background, that's um, the dog I'm watching, whose name is Penelope. She's a Pekingese, and she just she, the poor thing has like a collapsing trachea. So every time she sleeps, she snores. Listen, you can hear her. She sounds like a person. So fun little podcasting fact. Um, obviously I record things out of order. So if you uh, (laughs) didn't listen to our girl crazy episode, we recorded them back to back. So, (laughs) but they are released at separate times. Huzzah! Because that's how I work. Um, And if you have more questions about how I record my podcast. I'm so sorry. I forgot that this is, yes, I'm sorry. sorry. It's okay. I don't care. Might as well peek behind the curtain, right? Um, Making more Wizard of Oz references right now. Uh, You can email me at buttasongpod at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at buttasongpod. Do you know if the Harvey Girls is going to be a stage musical? Let us know. Do you, or do you want to throw us money to write it? We'll do it. And if you want to be part of next episode's conversation, we're going to be talking about Raggedy Ann and Andy, colon, a musical adventure. But Lauren, thank you so much for coming back on, even though you are amongst the dogs again. That's okay. No. Listen, the pups have been for the most part chilling and just occasionally you hear the squeaky toy or somebody snoring. It's it's just the joys of, I guess, living a life that needs a side hustle. Oh, yes. If you want to give me money, please do. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.